You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Brainwaves. Hear the world differently. Bringing community mental health to you, raising awareness and challenging stigma. Tune in to 3CR Community Radio, Wednesdays at 5pm. Melbourne's Drive Time Radio Programme, featuring community organisations, powerful stories and information. Find us at brainwaves.org.au. Proudly sponsored by Wellways Australia. Hello and welcome to Brainwaves on 3CR, 8.55am, 3CR Digital Radio and 3cr.org.au. My name is Emma and today from the Brainwaves team we have Kaylin. Now before I hand you over to Kaylin and this week's guest, I would like to begin by acknowledging and paying my respects to the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, the traditional custodians of the land on which I am coming to you from today. Land where we tell our stories, and land where stories have been told by the traditional owners for many years before us, and continue to be told to this day. I would like to pay my respects to Elders past and present, and acknowledge all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander listeners today. Today on Brainwaves, we chat to writer, poet and philosopher Dr. Paul Fern about 19th century English romantic poet Lord Byron and discuss Paul's new book simply titled Byron. Paul has a PhD on schizophrenia from La Trobe University and a master's from the University of Melbourne. His first book, Diary of a Schizophrenic, was launched at the 2010 Melbourne Writers' Festival. This is his fifth appearance as a guest on Brainwaves. And did you know, Paul was also once a member of the Brainwaves team. We're very happy to have him back on the show today. Welcome, Paul. Thanks for coming back on Brainwaves. It's lovely to see you again. It's good to be back here. It's uh, difficult times, but uh, we see some positive light coming through. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, you're here today to talk about your new book. Now, before we get started, I guess maybe you could explain about how you became a writer. Um, I was having my first psychotic episode and I kept a diary at the time, as you do. And uh, anyway, I I recovered and went on to finish my BA with honours. I went on then to do a master's at Melbourne University in the philosophy of art. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, I, was, I was president of the University Philosophy Club, so we had some great nights. We had pub nights and debates and music nights and and all that. That sounds lots of fun. They were healthy in days, they were. Um, I was uh, having poetry nights at my house and sometimes 20, 30 people would turn up. Straight. Wow, that's awesome. So we, we had a lot of fun. And then I went on to do a, a PhD that was different, the PhD life. I was coming to the end of my PhD and I thought, I'd love to have a writing career here at the end of my PhD. because I, I was sort of uh, worn out a little bit by academia. So mm-hmm. I, uh, I dusted off the diary, the diary of a schizophrenic, as I was to call it, and I sent it to Alan Unwin, and they sent it back uh, saying they don't normally publish these things unless your author is already famous. Okay. So that was fair enough. Uh, and then I 
Google mental health publishers and Chipmunker Publishing in the UK came through. And I sent the manuscript to them and they accepted it. Oh, awesome. It was great. And then um, I was uh, got published, uh, finished the PhD. And I was looking for a place to launch the book. And I initially had the thought of the North Fitzroy Star Hotel, a very literary hotel, with lots of penguin editions up above the fireplaces. But then at the same time, I got an email from the Melbourne Writers Festival. Uh, I was on their e-newsletter list, I think. And, and it said, launch your book at the Melbourne Writers Festival. So I applied and I got accepted. Oh, awesome. So, yeah, it was great. That would have been really exciting. Exciting time of life, yeah. A good time of life. Absolutely. So then close to the launch, Natasha Mitchell from Radio National picked up the story and I got interviewed there and a writer career was born. Awesome. And as I say, the rest is history and you've got a couple of books, just a couple of books behind you. So (laughs) you've been doing well since then, which is good. And how's your mental health these days? Yeah, uh, it's that's really good. I had a moment. I was speaking to my psychiatrist a couple of months ago, and he, I told him how long I'd been well for. He said that is remission. Oh wow! So, yeah, and I remember walking out of the out of the consulting suite, and the secretary said, "Paul, you look great," and I, I, was, I was feeling great. Oh, that's wonderful. Congratulations. That's really good to hear. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. All right. Well, you are here to talk about your new book. So let's have a chat about that now. Sure. To start with, what is your new book called? It's simply entitled Byron. Uh, it's addressed to the 19th century English dramatic poet, poet Lord Byron. And I remember I was living on Byron Street in North Melbourne a while ago. And a friend of mine came over and noticed I was living on Byron Street and he got really excited. He got really chuffed. And that's the sort of passion that still Byron still provokes today. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. And did Lord Byron have a disability? He did. He uh, he was born with a club foot. And it got in the way a little bit well, with different people, for instance, uh, he uh, was infatuated with a girl at high school at Harrow and Mary Chayworth, her name was, mm-hmm. and asked whether she could be with Byron. She said, oh, the lame boy. Oh, that's awful. Isn't it? Later when Byron was famous, uh, she contacted him by letter, and they didn't meet. I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and did you do anything to sort of come over the stigma of disability at all? He did. He uh, took up swimming, which is something he could do, and he uh, he swam the Hellespont in mm-hmm. England, mm-hmm. and he did some swimming on his grand tour after university. Wow. This is certainly not someone to just take it lying down then. 
No, and he, and he did some swimming to help inspire the troops. Oh, um, wow. When he was fighting for Greek independence from Turkey. Oh, wow. That's pretty impressive. Um, and speaking of um, Greece, so when did Byron uh, complete his first translations from ancient Greek? That was in high school at Harrow. Uh, mm-hmm. He translated the, some Aeschylus from the from the uh, from the chorus of one of Aeschylus's plays, and this passion for ancient Greek literature followed Byron throughout his life. He he wrote about it in his great text Don Juan, um, and he taught he spoke about authors like Sappho, and he really took it up and. Uh, it, it helped inspire him uh, in his in his endeavours in Greece later in life. Oh, wow. And I heard he went to Cambridge, and at Cambridge they had a rule that uh, you weren't allowed to keep a dog in a room. Uh, when he was there, how did he get around that? Uh, he kept a tame bear. <laughs> That's awesome. He kept a tame bear in his room. Yeah. Well, I guess it's not a dog, is it? Uh, no, got, <laughs> got around it on a technicality. He did. <laughs> uh, and he he had a dog passed away, uh, Botswain. Yep. And uh, he wrote a poem for its tombstone. It went something like, Beauty without vanity, strength without Arabus. And on it went. So it's like a, a, famous, a famous lover of animals. Yeah, sounds like he a lovely lived, tribute. When he was in Italy, he kept a menagerie. Oh, wow. What did he have there? Uh, I, I think birds and all sorts of things. I can't remember what, what they were exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. So he really did have a love for, for animals. He did. It, it, he's, he's a multifaceted man. Mm, sounds very much like it. And uh, what sort of writer was Byron? I think Byron was a poet. And uh, we, of course, have poets today, but they don't generally reach the sort of fame that Byron had accorded to him. Uh, some say Byron was the first rock star. Hmm. And he lived a great life. Yeah, yeah. And we're still writing about him and talking about him, and yeah, he's had he's definitely had an impact for sure. Yeah, which of Byron's book was first to make him famous? Uh, that was Child Harold's Pilgrimage, Child with a Knee on the End, uh, and reputedly sold ten thousand copies on the first day. Wow, that's huge! So yeah, so as Byron himself described it, I I, I woke up one morning and I was famous. <laughs> that's awesome. And, uh, yeah, that would be interesting because, you know, back in those days, no internet, so you'd be having to walk into stores and get the book physically. So that's a feat as well. Yeah, indeed. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. Now, I have heard that Byron was forced into exile, which is pretty sad. Where did he go initially and what form of transport did he take? He had uh, a, uh, he knew a coach builder in England who mocked him up a, a coach in the style of Napoleon's. So quite extravagant. And he went to, initially went to Geneva and stayed with uh, Percy Bussey Shelley, 
famous English poet and stayed with his family on a, uh, in a house by the lake, mm-hmm. which he very much enjoyed. Who wouldn't, though? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, yeah, it wasn't all bad on, in exile. Mm. And it wasn't a permanent exile, was it? Because he ended up uh, in Venice during Carnival. Um, so was he still writing then? And what was he writing? He wrote his great text on wine when he was in Venice. And he wrote a, a few pieces in that book on the notion of being mad and bad because there was a person in England had described Byron as mad, bad, and dangerous to know. <laughs> that definitely sounds like something you'd say about a rock star. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so he loved Carnival. Uh, he had a mistress um, with arm and eyes, which he could never resist, he said. Oh. But he was still writing, still still doing that. He, it was getting published in, in the UK. And he was, was having a, a pretty good time. Oh, that's good. And... He left Italy to go to Greece, is that correct, to help fight for, I think you mentioned earlier, the Greek independence from Turkey, and that was when he passed away. Do you want to talk about how that happened? Sure. He went to, he was living in Pisa in Italy, and he uh, he got the call to go to Greece to fight for Greek independence from Turkey. He didn't want to go initially because... His his mistress at the time had left her husband for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think love was quarrel. Okay, <laughs> I think he uh, I think his love of ancient Greek literature took over, or was at least one of the factors uh, that drove him to go to Greece. Mm-hmm. So he went, he, he, uh, he travelled there and he was on a boat travelling down a river mm-hmm. at one point and he, they wanted to turn the boat around but he refused and jumped into the icy water and swam across to the other side. Swimming again for him was, was something His strength. Helped. Yeah, he helped him overcome his disability. Mm-hmm. So he got to the other side of the bank and quite sure, but that was all right. But then what happened was he uh, was delivering a message on horseback and got rained on by a winter rain, and he subsequently got a fever and passed away. Oh, no, that's so awful, considering he jumped in that freezing river and was fine, and then yeah. to meet your demise with some rain. That's horrible. Oh, that's very sad. Um, and, and you'll see today uh, monuments to Byron established in Greece even today. Oh, wow. So, he, yeah, he obviously made an impact then. He had a great impact. It really oh. turned the tide. Um, and he's forever famous in Greece. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And where can you get your new book addressed to Byron? Okay. Uh, you can get it 
in Blackwells in Oxford in the online store. It's an online phenomena. Uh, you can get a book depository. Uh, Amazon have it in the Kindle edition and the paperback edition. Uh, Waterstones have it in the UK in the online store. Uh, Barnes and Noble have it in the US in their online store. Uh, Book Depository in Australia have it. And Barnes, uh, Angus and Robinson have oh, it wow. in, their, in their online store too. Awesome. That's a lot of places that you can find it. So, yeah, yeah no excuse for people not to find it then. Okay. <laughs> So, you know, I've heard that you have a theory about suffering creativity. I know we've talked about this before a couple of times, but could you tell us a bit about that? Sure. Uh, when we encounter suffering, I, I really believe that there occurs in us a heightened state of consciousness. Uh, and if we're creative, we can sublimate that, as Freud would say, but we can sublimate, we can make creative things to a, a greater pitch, uh, uh, more involved, more greatness. Uh, and that's, that's to do with suffering and how the mind deals with suffering. And you look at the history of poetry, for instance, and it's full of people who suffered for their art. You don't have to do that, but you can, you can channel your own suffering. Mm, mm. And we've definitely talked about that before with uh, previous poets. Yeah. And it's also we can see this effect when a culture is in suffering. So maybe there's a pandemic or maybe there's a war. Uh, watch the news. And we can channel that suffering into a heightened state of consciousness and if we create, we can create greater things. Yeah, absolutely. So it's taking, you know, all that pain and, and putting it into making it something beautiful, which I absolutely love. It's sublimation, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And is schizophrenia conducive for certain forms of creative endeavour? It is very much so. Uh, with schizophrenia, with people suffering from schizophrenia, they have a, a language-using capacity which is called looseness of association. So things that don't normally go together are going together. And it makes for uh, difficulties in social life. But what it does do, that's exactly what's happening in poetry, great poetry. So I think people have a choice. You can, you can remain in your suffering, but you can channel it into poetry. And that's, that's what... Great poetry is a looseness of association. Okay. Have you got any examples of looseness of association? Yeah, Janet Frame, her, her book, Goose Bath. <laughs> what? These don't have baths. What's with that? <laughs> yes, I can definitely see what you're talking about, for sure. Yeah. And great poetry, and she suffered a lot. But, mm. but she wrote some great poetry, and it gave her, uh, I think, some good direction, as it does in... And you, can, and you can overcome your personal suffering. You can actually do that by letting suffering sublimate itself to a higher level 
and then get stuck into writing those poems. Yeah, create something beautiful. Indeed. Yeah. I know we touched on this a little bit, but what was your PhD on? Uh, my PhD was on schizophrenia in philosophy. So I wrote a chapter on Wittgenstein and schizophrenia. Uh, oftentimes, people who do research into schizophrenia can't define the word because there's no essential feature by which we can define it. Mm-hmm. And Wittgenstein said, that's fine. We, we, we can handle that. We'll, we'll just call it a family resemblance concept. And there's no, it sort of works by analogy for the rope. A rope doesn't have one fiber running through its full length, but intertwining and overlapping uh, fibers go into making up the full rope. And so with family resemblances too, it's, it's hard to find something essential about family resemblance, but we can still talk about family resemblance. Mm. There's, when, there's no issue with that. Yeah. Okay, wonderful. And how many books have you written? Amazon in the US have 20 of my books. Wow. So, so yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. And what are some of the other books that you've written? Um, I've, my favourite book I wrote, uh, I called Journal Philosophique. It was a, a philosophy journal. I. Uh, I kept dreaming before my master's uh, when I was unmedicated. Okay. I had a book published, a Kindle book, which was my autobiography called Walking Between Raindrops. Mm-hmm. I have written four books on 19th century French poets. Uh, and I've had the pleasure of having you on the show for all of those. I Yeah. <laughs> Okay. We've had some great some we've had some great discussions about them. Yeah, that's right. It's uh, this time it's a nineteenth-century English poet. That's it. Yeah. What are some other books? I wrote a two-volume long poem entitled "Dark Cloud, White Cloud, Dust, Sandstone." Mm-hmm. Now I don't know if you've seen that before that phenomena in the city where it's about five o'clock in the winter so the sun's just going down the light is casting its pall over the trees it's hitting the buildings and in the sky there are dark clouds and white clouds and it goes it goes together to make a a picture of beauty and i i see that not all the time but i see it and i and i recite the name of it to myself I love your perspective. It's so beautiful. Yeah. Oh, that's great. And I don't know, just as a, a fun little thing before we wrap up today, where was the most unusual place you've seen your new book being advertised? I was on a weather forecasting website and I was there for a while and eventually I looked up and there was my name with, title of my new book, Byron, by Paul Fern. Uh, it's advertised by Booktopia. Uh, so that, that's, yeah, that, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. That's very cool. That's very cool. <laughs> oh, uh, that's awesome. And But Booktopia have been really supportive of my work. Oh, that's good. During the pandemic years. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. They're, they're, they do great work. Yeah. No, that's good. That's good. Now, we're going to wrap up today. We could definitely keep talking. I love having you on the show, Paul. But before we go, um, have you got anything you'd like to, to leave our listeners with today? Sure. Just keep going. It's Find a passion, follow it up, and just try your best. And remember that suffering can bring benefits if taken the right way. And sometimes it's hard to see, but but it's it's there. It's, we can free ourselves from from suffering by employing it. Oh, I love that. What an inspiration. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Paul, for coming on the show. It's been great having you, as always. And I look forward to the next book. I'm sure there's something in the works. I've got ideas. Yes, I have. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. All right. Well, please take care of yourself. Thank you for being such an inspiration to our listeners. Um, I love hearing about what you're doing. And I love, as I said, I love your perspective. And I love, you know, the way that you look at poetry and poets themselves. So thank you so much. And I look forward to having you on the show next time. That's great. I can't wait. All right. Thanks, Paul. Okay, thanks. Thank you to Dr. Paul Fern for coming on the show today and sharing about your new book. I hope that everyone enjoyed today's show. You can find more of our shows on the 3CR website. That's 3cr.org.au, on Spotify or wherever else you download your 3CR podcast. If you have a story to share or if you would like to send us feedback or suggestions for future shows, please email us at brainwaves at wellways.org. Thanks for listening, everyone. Stay safe and we'll be back next Wednesday at 5pm for another episode of Brainwaves on 3CR. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.